Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we try to answer the question, should you write a book? Hmm. I've said many times that everyone should write a book, but I, th I think it's like kind of like saying everyone should run a marathon at some point. <laughs> well... Well, I was just going to say, maybe it's uh, whether you should write a book for your business versus not, because I kind of do think it's good to write a book, period. But whether it's good for your business is maybe a different question. Totally agree. Yeah. And there's a secondary question, which is when should you write it? So last uh, in the last show, last week, we talked about validating ideas, whether or not you should do it, when you should do it, uh, if you're going to do it, how to do it. And one of the things that came up, in my opinion, it's really important to validate your book idea, especially, you know, let's just focus on, you know, you're writing a book to, uh, for business reasons. Uh, you really should validate that idea first, because writing a book is, it's a big undertaking, it's grueling. And, you know, if it's, it's not the kind of thing that you want to undertake lightly. And a lot of people get really excited about the idea. I'm going to be an author and they just start writing and, and then they start rewriting and then they start to edit and then they go back to the first chapter and it, you know, cause the fifth chapter kind of unraveled something in the first chapter and it starts to fall apart and then they start to go crazy and it, and suddenly they realize, you know, six months in that they're not sure what, what they're writing. You know, it starts, you start to get lost in the woods. You can get lost in the woods if you don't have a, a really clear plan. So we want to today talk about whether or not you should write a book, and you probably should. The question is when and how to go about it, why you're writing it, uh, these sorts of things. So how do you, Rochelle, how would you approach it with a client if they were thinking about writing a book? Well, I always look at the book as part of their brand and their business. So it's, you know, one, if you were to write a book, how does it work with your brand? What, what would it be about? And at that point, you typically know who your audience is. If you're not there yet, then the first step is figuring out you know, who the book is for. And then I tend to think of books in sort of loosely four categories. And one, I know you've talked about this too, it's book is business card, right? And so that would be early on in somebody's career, for example, where you just feel like that's your way of becoming an authority. Absolutely. Yep. In mm -hmm. your market. Um, I look at uh, the book as social proof, um, which could lead to maybe it's it's a little bit like what Blair Enns has done with his newest book, although I'd argue he already had social proof with his other book. Um, it's how, how do you build out a business with that? Um, and then sometimes the book is is what I call a solidifier, where maybe you've got a really successful business for this audience, but you'd like to expose the ideas and the concepts to a bigger audience. And then, of course, you know, my favorite is the game changer. That's the big idea book, the, you know, the Dan Pink, the Seth Godin, the Susan Cain style books. Um, and I think, you know, and we can talk about this. I think each of those have sort of a different trajectory on why you write it, who you write it for, and how you approach writing it. Yeah, yes. All of that stuff is, that's actually more complicated. Than, that's even more than I think about when I'm trying to counsel someone in this area or I'm planning on writing my next book. And 
you can imagine that it gets super overwhelming. So, so how we, how would you pick that apart with someone? For me, it starts with, you know, when I think of brand, I always think of a brand brief. And so what's in a brand brief? So it basically says, who's your target audience? What's your message? And if you have a tagline, what's your big idea? Um, And what's your point of view? Um, Sometimes people call it a manifesto. Uh, The point of view can be a little deeper than a, a pure manifesto. What's that point of view? And then to me, if, if you've got all that, then you know who your audience is, you know your point of view, then it's, okay, so who else is out there in book form talking about this? It's like doing market research. And one of the great things about Amazon is it's so easy to research who is out there. And you know, you, you look and find what are the titles that are similar, who are the authors that you might aspire to be like, um, and just do that research so you know what's already out there because what you ideally want to do is you want to pick a topic that isn't exactly covered in any other book. And sometimes people get really upset when they say, oh my God, there's 20 authors on this. But I argue that's actually good. It means there's a market for books in that niche. And that's important, especially if you're pitching to a publisher. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, but you've got to start somewhere. So you start with looking at who else is out there and then you use that to see what maybe you might not have focused on without looking at that. I mean, how do you approach this, Jonathan? Uh, when I'm when I'm working someone through it, I take a pretty direct approach. So when, and it kind of amounts to what you just said, but I frame it differently, I think. So when someone comes to me and says, oh, I've got an idea for a book and I'll be like, okay, my first question is who's it for before I even ask them what they want to write about. And that usually takes them by surprise because they're focused heavily on, you know, maybe they've got an outline in their head or they feel like they've, they've been teaching something for a long time. And suddenly it's just, they're like mentally, they're just think, oh, I've got enough material for a book here. But a lot of times they haven't, at least the folks I work with, they haven't really thought hard about who the reader is. And I'll ask that and they'll say, well, it, I, you know, it's someone who wants to know about this thing that I want to write about. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay, <laughs> who wants to know about that thing that you want to write about? You know, how would you find those people if you wanted to run the title by them or the idea of, of it by them or ask them if they've ever bought similar business books in the past? Or maybe it's not a business book, but probably it is. So I think that's critically important not only for the ultimate marketing of the book, but for you not going crazy trying to write it. Mm. A lot of the books I've written have been in uh, of a technical nature. And if you don't have a super clear vision of the, the, the level of expertise of the reader that you're targeting, you can't get through a paragraph without just unraveling in insanity. You know, it's like, you know, do I need to, you know, I'll be one of my first books. uh, I think my very, no, actually one of my first books was, uh, you know, it had to do with building web pages. It was about something else, but, but there was going to be a lot of information about web pages. And I, you know, I was like, do I need to teach a little bit of HTML at the beginning of this? Because the book wasn't about that, but it's a foundational topic. Like if you didn't get that, you were going to be in trouble in this book. So I picked, I didn't just get specific with a customer avatar. I picked an actual person I know. And I was like, this book is for that person. Like mm-hmm. my my sister, in fact. I was like, this book is for my sister. 
So I'm going to, when, when I have questions like, you know, should I explain CSS? Should I explain how to double click? Should I explain how to drag and drop with a mouse? You know, because if you just don't know the, the, if you don't have like an expected level of expertise in the reader, you, the book would balloon into a thousand pages overnight. Like you need to know how to talk to that particular person in a way that is not over their head, but it's also not talking down to them. And, and I'm talking about a technical topic, but I think this is true. Even if you were writing a marketing book or, you know, you, anything, any kind of business book, a strategy, productivity, any of that you want to, I think it's important. It's much more persuasive and it's a more effective book. And I know this from readers getting back to me about it and, and giving me feedback. If you just pick somebody who's at a particular stage, like a kind of person at a particular stage, and you help them get to the next stage, that you will stand out. They will say, it's like you were reading my mind. Every time I had a question, you answered it in the next paragraph. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's really, really important. Again, not just for the marketing aspect and not just so that you're, it's going to sell and it's going to be popular and you're going to have five stars on Amazon or wherever you sell it, but also in the writing process, you'll be a better, you'll seem like a better writer if you pick a, a really specific reader and you just speak to that person, it's going to be much more powerful. And I, I like your example of, of using your sister, you know, somebody you knew who you could actually ask questions of. Yep. And it's, I, I agree. I mean, I think this is a big challenge for people because it, it sort of depends on how you approach writing a book. And a lot of people approach it as a creative process first and foremost. And don't get me wrong, it is. It's a creative process that has to be protected. But again, you're making a business decision to follow a creative process. So before you do that creative part, you've got to make the business decision of does this make sense for my business, which means you have to know as you said, who's it for and what do you want it to do? Yeah. I mean, I see it as a, as a, it's a communication medium, I guess, you know, and, and it's, I don't, I don't see it as normally, I don't see it as just this like thing that you would hang on your wall, like this piece of art, maybe a manifesto is kind of like that. But if you're trying to, if you're trying to help someone change, which I mean, that's what a business book is for. I think I, I guess I've never thought about it that deeply, but I do see it as a conversation. You know, I'm trying to communicate some something to someone, and that that like I can be an expert at something, but be terrible at communicating it. Like everybody's had bad teachers. I, I doubt that it's that the teacher didn't understand their subject matter. It's that they were bad at communicating it. I don't think it's enough to be, you know, to master your subject matter. It's it, when you're writing a book to. I don't know. Is this, this is probably too broad a stroke, but it's about communicating the information, communicating the expertise in a way that it's going to encourage or it's going to inspire action in the reader. You know, you want, I, I, th I want to change the person who's reading it. I want them to behave differently. I want them to take different actions. So it's really important to, I think, to like involve them in the process to a certain extent. You know, and, and you said, you said, I, I actually didn't understand this when you said it, maybe you could explain. You said that it's a creative process and that should be protected. What do you mean by that? Well, it, when we started talking about this topic, we were talking about validating an idea. And as an example, so you have a book idea. Absolutely, you want to validate it. The creative part of the process is when you start, when you know who your audience is, you know what the subject of the book is, 
um, you know how you're going to position the book. Let's say you know all that. Then, then the part of the creative process I think you have to protect is that there are critics. Oh, and the minute you start talking too much about an idea, it can lose its weight. Mm-hmm. And so there's that protection, and it's it's a fine line, and it's it's different for everybody. Like Jonathan, your my sense about you would be you'd be comfortable batting around an idea, and if somebody didn't like it, you go, oh, that's really interesting. I appreciate that. I'm going to think about that, but it wouldn't make you go. Oh, this is terrible. I'm not going to write this book. Yeah, now I see what you mean. Yes, okay. Yeah. For some people, that would be too much. So it's there's a protective process, I think, around writing, especially a big idea book. In a way, and, and we're talking about after you're done with the book, you've you've created something. You've created this thing. It becomes your baby. And you want that to look the way that you believe it should. And, and again, you still have to get input. You have to test the concept. But when you're actually in the creative, you know, it needs to be you and you alone, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. The input that I look for as I'm going along, other than obvious editorial stuff like, oh, grammar or whatever, the, the, the thing that I'm looking for is, is, is my idea coming across not is this a good idea to send? Right. right. So I, I do look for, it, not a lot, just a little bit of feedback about uh, about that in the process. But really, I, I do most of it like when I'm looking for feedback from someone, it's usually at this stage. So the process mm-hmm. I take when I'm working on a new book is is uh, essentially write a book proposal for it. But I, and I've done that in the past and it is very helpful, but I kind of boil that all down to write the back cover well, step one, pick a title. And, and I'm, there's a, a handful, maybe three people in the whole world that I would bounce that title off of. Right. Uh, but generally I'm the, something about the title is like my line in the sand. It's the thing that motivates me. It's the thing that makes it real for me. And once I kind of press go, you know, once, once I start, there's no, I'm not changing the title. I don't care. I'm not going to add an S to a word. I'm not changing it. <laughs> that it, it, the whole thing I've done that before and the whole thing falls apart. It like, it's like pulling the rug out from under the project. So I, I think about the title quite a bit. I pick something that I like. It rolls off the tongue. I like saying it. I like seeing it after my name, Jonathan Stark, author of thing. And then the subtitle, I take a little bit more input from people and I'm like, okay, here's, here's who I want to change, how I want to change them. I've usually got like three ways to put it in it. And I find I need a, I need a fair amount of uh, feedback on that to make sure that it's coming across the way I mean it, you know, because you got the curse of knowledge at this point and, and people can take things the wrong way or misinterpret a word mm-hmm. or, or just because they're different, you know? So I do a little bit of, again, this is a very, like my mastermind is very few people in it. I'm like, does this subtitle make sense to you? Like, if I said this to you, what would you think the book was about? And they would say, and, and I'd be like, oh, okay, this, this one of the three is much better at communicating the idea I want. Mm-hmm. And then I would, I would write the back cover and the back cover. If you look at, if you look at your favorite uh, books that, you know, or it could be in, you know, inside flap, it sort of describes in a, not a teaser type of way, but in a really high level summary, the, the fundamental big idea of the book, who it's for, what you'd expect to get out of it, uh, maybe some early blurbs from people, but I just try and, you know, at the beginning stage, you wouldn't have that, but I try and write that, um, 
it's like a short abstract of the entire work and and that is really hard for a lot of people mm-hmm. and it, it really maybe the hardest thing of all yeah I, I think that's yeah I would agree with that it's getting that piece right is really hard and I would probably you know bounce that off even a little bit bigger group of people to make sure it was coming across the right way and, and they were taking it the way I meant it but once you have that if you feel real comfortable with that after you know, after a, you know, a week or something, it will help you as you're writing the book. Cause you get lost in the weeds. Like you just get lost and you can always, for me anyway, I can always come back to that. Okay. Wait a second. What's this book about? And, <laughs> and like, okay, I read the, my own back cover. I'm like, okay, okay. All right. You talk myself off the ledge and like get back to, you know, whatever the, whatever the sub chapter is that I'm working on. Uh, and then after that, I would, I would say, okay, great. You know, you've got punchy title, great subtitle that explains exactly what the book is about. Here's a back cover that explains who it's for, how it's going to help them, it, why it might be interesting, how it's different. Okay, give me a table of contents. And, you know, boom, 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 here's the outline. So yeah. it's like, it's it's pretty much, you end up, I think, with a lot of the same things that uh, you described as your process. Uh, I, I just tend to focus it, I don't know, mine feels a little bit more like what the person wants to think about when I'm helping them. Like, like they want to think about the book. They want to picture the book. They want to imagine the book in their hands. So I'm like, okay, let's talk about the book. What's on the cover? What is the title? What's the, Mm -hmm. what does the back cover look like? Well, you know, what might be the case here is typically my clients don't come to me and say, I want to write a book. Hmm. They typically come and say, "I, I, I have this big idea. This is what it looks like. This is what my business is now. And then in the course of that, I may, recommend that they invest time in a book. And if I do that, I'll usually give them a sample title with a subtitle and, uh, you know, just a a little sub, uh, some bullet points about who the audience would be for this and what's, you know, what's the point. Mm. So they're not coming to me saying, oh, this is my idea. It's kind of the opposite. It's how do I grow my brand and my business? And I don't always recommend a book. Um, and I might recommend a book for you know different reasons, like we were talking about at the beginning. But it's, um, how do I want to say this? It's, it's looking at the book as part of their business. And a lot of times they've never thought about it that way. But once you do, kind of to your point, where you've got the back cover, you've got a title, you've got a subtitle, and you've got a, a, a table of contents, you know, then you know whether or not you've got a book. And then you can start writing sample chapters. But to do it without that is insanity. Yeah. You'll go crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've, I, I, I was thinking of a woman who came to me on Twitter a few years ago, and uh, she said, oh, I've written... Uh, three books. I think it was three books and they weren't business books, but I think they were children's books as a matter of fact. And she said, well, I've never sold any more than four copies of them, but I'd really like to talk to you about how I could change that. Well, it took uh, three times. I let her get on my calendar and she disappeared each time. And then, and and finally I said, listen, if you can't take this seriously, I I can't either. And then she said, oh, well, I'm writing another book. (laughs) <laughs> and so I said, yeah, that's a good solution. The first three didn't sell, so let's sell a fourth. So that's somebody who's approaching it as a creative process with no tie back to uh, the marketplace in the real world. And, you know, I don't think those are our listeners. The people listening to this, are they want to, they want to create a business and grow it. Mm-hmm. 
have how do you see in a situation where you've had someone do this so they've come to you and they're like hey i should grow in business and 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 for some reason and maybe if you if if there's a common thread what is the reason that it would make you go oh you know what you need a book and then i'm also curious once that happens what what does it do for them uh, well, let me give you an example. So there's uh, someone I've worked with who came to me and, and had a, you know, he had a very successful, what I would call an offline business, you know, physical office, clients, very successful, multiple um, employees. And he, he said, it's almost like book is legacy in a way. And he came to me and said, I just feel like I could help more people. And I just don't know how to do it. And so as I, you know, we went through the branding process and we solidified, you know, again, his message, his target audience, um, the big idea, the point of view, we did all of that. It was very clear to me that to reach a larger audience, he needed a book and he needed a different platform. And part of that platform was about social media, but that's a whole nother topic. But part of that was he needed to be in print. Now, interestingly, he'd already written a book but it was for other people like him. It wasn't for what I would think of as a consumer audience. And so that's what we focused on. So we, you know, I gave him the proposed title for the book, which he did wind up using and which the publisher used, which doesn't always happen. Publishers love to change titles. Um, He spent, he was very efficient. I would say it took him about five months from beginning to end while he's running his business to essentially write this book. Uh, we got it edited. Uh, we we did a book plan, got a publisher, got it published. Now, the other thing I, I failed to mention is the other thing was that he felt that he had a speaking career in him around this topic. And so we needed the book to launch a speaking career. And so uh, we had um, a publicist help us with getting the word out for the book. And now he's on a speaking circuit. Now, was it a huge bang where he had 100 people calling him for speeches in the first week? No, it was a slow burn. But what happens is now that he's got the book, he's a much more compelling speaking prospect for a lot of organizations. And he's got a clear audience and a clear message. So that for him, that made perfect sense for him to spend five months working on that, plus the, you know, the promotion and marketing time, which I don't want to underestimate. Um, you know, he, he probably did um, three dozen podcasts in, in a month and a half. So he, he did work. That seems like that strikes me as the path. Like that is probably uh, the right, like that's, I think what people should expect from writing a book, you know, those are good conditions for a book to be a good option. That is the way it will likely go. It's not like this overnight slam dunk type of thing. If you, if you do want to start speaking, a book is a obvious way into that world. It's, it really helps a lot. It certainly did with me. So yeah, I think that's a great kind of summary for people who are maybe thinking about a book and what it might do for them. That's, that's a, just a super pragmatic, realistic picture of the kind of, uh, of that world. I was going to, one thing that you said kind of made me raise my eyebrows was that he wrote the whole book and then you looked for a publisher. 
No, we were doing it at the same time. I had him write two chapters. Oh, okay. And interestingly, the publisher that chose him wanted three chapters, which I never had anybody ask for that many. But yeah, so we were doing that. And I wrote the book proposal for him because, you know, that, that was part of what I do for him. Sure. What do you think about self-publishing? I think it's great if the conditions are right. <laughs> 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 so, um, and we, pro- you know, if, if this publisher had not, uh, had not picked this book, we probably would have gone the self-publishing route. Um, in the example I used, I really wanted to have a name publisher, even if it meant, and I don't know how much your audience knows about this, but a lot of times with publishers, you've got to guarantee that you're going to buy a certain number of copies. So yes, the publisher is publishing your book and you may have this image that you're going to get this wonderful advance check, but a lot of times it's you are writing the advance check. So you may have to guarantee that you buy a thousand or 2000 copies. Yeah. So, so publishing, it's funny. Publishing feels like these days it feels, it's like almost like VC for authors. You know, it's like, like I've heard, well, I've worked with large tech publisher, the largest tech publisher, and it was a great experience uh, all the way around. I, I have no complaints whatsoever. It was great. Uh, and then I, I've self, self-published one book, and that was amazing, but in a different way. And I'm ready to launch a second self-published one. And after I've, I self-published the first one, I was like, I'm never working with a publisher again. This is the best thing ever. I have total control. I can, I can bundle it, sell it however I want. I can change things, you know, because mm-hmm. you're very, when, when you have a publisher, you're very out of control of the marketplace aspects of the book. Like you control yes. the content and, and they'll, you know, my editors were, were great. Uh, I know some people fight with their editors, but uh, it's not always the best, but you know, other than that, you basically in control of the content more or less uh, but after that it's out your it's out of your hands mm-hmm. like you you can promote it however you want go around and do book signings and go on podcasts and so forth but but in terms of like even knowing who bought it or it, it's even kind of unclear like how many you sold it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to get that information and it's uh, it just kind of the book kind of goes into a black hole and it just does what it does and you don't it's like i don't know it's like sending your kid moving away just like what's happening you know <laughs> <laughs> and i i definitely don't like that i did not like that and when i self published i liked that a lot better because i was interested in that information i suppose if you weren't interested in that information then it wouldn't matter to you uh, getting 100% of the money is kind of nice too so you know you sell a tenth of what you would normally sell and and be doing quite well but over, you know, it's been a year and a half, two years now, and I, I think my next, I, the next thing I see on my horizon is, you know, like you're saying, more of a big idea book. It's not about the sales. It's more about the impact and it's more of a mass market concept. And I think for that, it would make sense to go with a broader base of distribution, you know, the sort of airport bookstore kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I, I I assume it's true that no one's ever had a self-published book in an airport bookstore. So uh, (laughs) if, right, I mean, I mean, how many people even print them anymore when they're self-published? So to me, it's like, I think there's probably, so I'm I'm just saying this because I'm backed away from a position that I had my sort of freshman self-publishing position, which was like, I'm, this is it from now on. 
because it's there are a lot of things about it that are great, but it seems to me like if you if you if the book that you're planning to write or the book that you have in you is more of a mass market thing, then it probably makes sense to go through a traditional publisher at at least in 2018. But uh, I think a more niche title of really specific, hyper-specific thing would be just as just as powerful to do on your own uh, if you've got the capabilities and the skills to put together, put that together or get a team together to, to do that. Is that, do you think that's a fair characterization? Well, yeah, but I, I want to add some, uh, a couple things to that because there is nothing I hate more than a book and, and it's usually self-published that is full of typos and editorial terribleness. <laughs> So, you know, you, you mentioned putting a team together. Your team has got to have a copy editor and a line editor. And that might be the same person, but you've got to have that done because until the book really is tight and makes sense, um, I think an author, any of us, any of us as authors can get too close to it and we can't see what would make it cleaner and easier to read. So, yeah, that's that caveat and then, yeah, I think it, it all comes down to marketing and distribution. And it's a little bit of a catch-22 because a big publisher typically doesn't want you um, when you need them, i.e. you have a small audience and no real reach. Then they want you when you have a big audience and reach and you're at that point, you say, wait, I don't know if I really need you. I've got my own audience and I can self-publish and get the book out through my own distribution channels. So it comes back to really thinking, again, like a business, thinking through your best option. And there's not much of a cost difference on the front end between the two, but there is a big time difference. If you go a traditional publisher and you have to get yourself an agent, and you don't always need an agent, but typically you, you most often you will, then and you have to get to print, it can take two years, 18 months to two years before you see your work. You know, quote unquote, in print or for sale. Mm -hmm. And two years is a long time to wait if it's an important book. Um, and the, I just wanted to mention too, uh, I'm, I think a lot, of, um, a lot of the books that our audience might write are probably evergreen. In other words, they don't really have a season. Um, you could still be selling them, you know, five years later, even 10 years later, uh, the Trusted Advisor is an example. Um, Charlie Green periodically will publish what number it is on Amazon. And it's, it's a, I think, almost 20-year-old book. So it's really, I, I think it's kind of how you look at making that decision needs to be made the same way you would make a business decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and by the way, great point about the timeline. We have a mutual friend who's been working on a book. He's got it, you know, it's it's through... Uh, I think he's got the final manuscript in. He did toward the end of to 2017. It's not going to be out until like the end of this year. He's been working on it since 2016. And I'm like, oh yep. my God, man, how can you, how do you have that patience? <laughs> I would be dying for it to be published. I mean, it, when I went with O'Reilly, you know, very, very big, probably the most prestigious software publishing company. Uh, they were way quicker than that. You know, we, I, I'm probably remembering it wrong, but I feel like it was maybe six weeks from the time when I first, when I finished it, and, you know, we basically say final, final, triple, final done. And, and I had a 
physical book in my hands. It was very quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, but of course it has to be because in software things move so quickly that the book would, if we waited two years to put out a software book, it'd be right. too late. <laughs> Forget right. it. Right. Well, in, in conventional publishing, there is a, a, a spring release and a fall release. And so a lot of it depends on, you know, when your agent gets to the publisher and what time of year it is. And if they don't like it for spring and they think it's fall or vice versa. And there's a, it's a, we could do like 10 podcasts about uh, episodes about how to, how to do that. I think the, you know, the important thing is you, you just go back and say, what's this idea? Who's my audience? And how many of those people do I have in my audience? I mean, if you have 500 people and you're trying to sell a, you know, a 10 to $20 book, you know, you're not going to make a lot of money on that book, but it may not matter because maybe it's getting that idea into those hands. And those are the people who hire you for a consulting gig or a speaking gig, or they buy some kind of um, productized services or products that you offer. It's really, you know, you've got to think about the book as part of your business and revenue model and where it fits. And then you can decide, um, you know, in a, a somewhat logical or analytical fashion, what makes the most sense. Yeah. What role is this playing in my, the constellation of things in my business that I sell or it's funny too, because like to me, a a book, I mean, technically it's a product, you know, you it's, but, but for Mm -hmm. me, it's almost really more of a marketing piece. It's like a marketing activity more than anything with the possible exception of somebody who's who's like reliably landing on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, okay, yeah, you're making money. But uh, for the, the vast majority of people, it's like, I think the marketing aspect is far more important. And, and it needs to just mm-hmm. be I mean, the money's nice, don't get me wrong. You know, I, my office is basically free, just based on selling ebooks. So that's cool. But, you know, it's like, the much more important thing is is when I am getting an intro to a conference organizer or an intro to a podcast host, a really popular podcast. It's like Jonathan Stark, author of Hourly Billing is Nuts. That says it all. Like that's basically everything you need to know about me. And <laughs> and it's like, oh wow, okay. This guy's serious. He wrote a book about it. I can tell by the title what it's about, you know, where he stands on this. And uh you know, so I th- I think that um, to go back to the beginning, maybe as we wrap up here, knowing who it's for and having a point of view and sticking by it, and and ima- I I, ser- I say this to people, I'm like, imagine that for the rest of your life, your email signature is going to say John Smith, author of, and then put your book title in there. Does that? How do you like mm-hmm. the way that looks? Does that feel right to you? Before they've mm-hmm. written a word of the book. You know, yeah. And, and, oh, oh, right, right. Okay. You know, because, because what I see happen is they write the whole book and they're done and they're like, okay, what should I do now? Well, okay, we'll put it in your email signature, put it on your LinkedIn page. And they're like, oh, it, and it doesn't, it's just flat. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't say anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what a missed opportunity. Yeah. Well, it's like, you, you know, your business tagline or your big idea. I mean, I use be unforgettable and I, it's my touchstone. It's like, I think about that and I think about, okay, so for client X, you know, what have I done to help them to be unforgettable? Is this working? Should I use this image on my website or not? Well, is it arresting? Is it unforgettable? It's, it's a touchstone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's a great way to look at your book. Awesome. 
Any uh, closing thoughts about books and whether or not people should write them? Um, you know what? I, I think maybe in the show notes, I'll give people a link to an article I wrote about this called, Should You Really Write That Book? Because it covers some of the things we've talked about here. Uh, I'll do that. But it's. I think what I would say is a book is really exciting to contemplate and it can just have exactly the right spot inside your business and revenue model. Um, or it can be a rabbit hole and you mm -hmm. just want to decide right up front which it's going to be. Excellent. Great advice. All right, folks, that's it for this week. We hope you join us again next week for the business of authority. Bye. Bye. -bye.